coming in the wind on, the, on this afternoon, evening. Um, and this is your team, and we just continue with, you know, just telling our stories. I'm going to tell you a marriage story. So in the second year of global, we in Egypt, on the top of a roof. And uh, that man had long hair. <coughs> yeah. But I came to the team, and he is just looking like a sitting duck. I'm not sure how to describe it, but there's a long face with the long hair. So I said, Adam, what's going on, man? I used to get him always all alive. He said, no, he wants to ask Sally's dad to marry but there's no internet and it's a struggle and doesn't know now how to do that. That was four before those things. So I'm standing there on the roof and I know Hatem and I know, well, I think actually he would rather like to look Sally's dad in the eye and ask him to marry. But now we're on this year journey. So it's not in their minds that it's even possible. So I say to Hatem, Hatem, man, I just flew with a very cheap ticket. It was like 4,800 rand, I think that time. Why don't we trust the Lord and then you go and then I'll give you off for a week and then you can fly back to South Africa and ask for a <laughs> hand. And he kind of came back to me and said, really? He was so kind of So the next day he came and he said, you really think it's possible? So I asked the rest of the team, I said, guys, I think needs to go on a mission. And if you have any other money that can contribute towards this, godly mission because marriage is a rupan, it's a calling <laughs> well, don't you want to contribute towards this so they bring me from I don't know where you were, China everywhere, they bring all these different kind of extra currencies and everything and to the cent it was the money for the flight tickets and he flew home and they said part two of the story, but I can tell that later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anne, for that. It's a good uh, Maybe I'll start with a lighter story before I give to the, all the, the heavyweights. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's very rude. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about whites. <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. Um, I didn't mean it that way. So, I... Um, Yes, so I flew back um, from the airport, wanted to go and chat to my father, future father-in-law, and then surprise Sally somewhere and ask her to marry me, so directly there, and then spend the week in South Africa and fly back. And um, my roommate from, from university came to pick me up, and um, in Joburg, drove down to Bloom, asked, uh, went for coffee, uh, it was a dreadful coffee, and uh, eventually got to the pot that I had been actually there for, um, and, then, uh, and then he got so excited, he didn't want to um, leave and not see this moment, so, so then he said to Sally, no, uh, he wants to take her for some days up, and uh, he'll come pick her up. So she's standing at the door and now he, so then I changed everything, I said, okay, I'm not going to ask now, it's so, it's, it's so, uh, it's just not the right time. But anyway, so we, um, 
drive into their ho at the house in Bloemfontein and um, I'm sitting next next to obviously to dad and um, and when I get out of the car she just starts like this and then she turns around and she walks away down the street and I thought okay I have long hair now but um, it's not that boy and uh, ran after her and eventually we came down to visit my mom who lives in James Bay and then um, asked her to marry me here and then flew back and then but that was um, and then sort of she had that was sort of when was it September around September in the year and then um, we got back in end of November I think and then in January we got married so I didn't arrange any thing about marriage or about the wedding she uh, prepared all the wedding preparations um, yeah so that's do you want to add something of course <laughs> So those years we didn't have a, 
We're all alive, sitting there, all, all done more or less the same things, all alive in Stonetown, run through Stonetown to the place where we were supposed to meet. We got there, now Stefan is standing there, and he said, okay, your chicken now has to run from here to there, catch it, kill it, eat it. First person to eat the whole chicken is the winners. The first team, the first team. So we, but we are now arriving in this church at this church in, in Zanzibar, it was a church, right? It was this church in Zanzibar, and all these people are so excited to, to, uh, to embrace these missionaries from South Africa who's gonna come and share with us about Jesus. And we come up there, okay, chicken, run, 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 And we just, and we just, we catch a chicken, we kill it. Everybody's making fire to, to cook this chicken. Everybody's eating this chicken with pieces of, Feathers still in your mouth. Eventually we won and everybody's so happy we won. Yo, those pastors and people were so upset. They thought, what kind of rituals are these guys doing? We thought they were missing. They were so upset. I, I almost ruined our ministry. It was a long mission just to explain to them what is going on, why it is happening. This, oh, it was a... It was quite the entry into Zanzibar. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there were lo loads of cool stories like that. Um, who wants to go next? You are also welcome to ask questions. We're going to have a little bit of time for questions and so on. But not to me, to these guys. Well, there's one. Okay, Aniki, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Russia, that's now before global days, and uh, 
We came back from Siberia. It was late October, November, or it started getting cold already. That's like minus 10. Minus 10, that's cold. So then we stopped. Oh, no, it was on the way there or somewhere. But Vitaly was with us. Vitaly was with us. It was not that cold yet, so we stopped on the, we tried, traveled on the Trans-Siberian train for three days. Then we traveled three days back. Lovely. But we can't speak a word Russian. We studied now, but it's not so good. And the train times is on Moscow times. We are six hours difference. So uh, Russian is a vast country, Russia. So, I mean, our time differences is vast. So you don't really know what time it is now on this train, if you understand, if you're coming back. And we and it's the middle of the night to try and stop. I asked Victoria, he's 17 years old. He's the Russian woman. I said, Victoria, he can speak English. Can we go and buy an ice cream, a Rosinai? Because does it stop long enough? He said, No, it's not enough, don't worry. Him and I get off the train barefoot, only with shorts and the t-shirt and the ruble. And I think it's not at a platform. There's no, it's and a I myself, this is a siding. So it's not a platform. This is a bit weird. He said, no. step is about this high from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Huge Russian trains. Yeah. Like he said, no, man, come. Come on, yeah, come. <laughs> so now we're dodging over the train, guys, running to the shop. The next moment that train goes, woo! <laughs> 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 we turn around and we told him just go. He just clapped my face, puts me so side and he started running. And I'm like, Vitaly, you can't leave me. So he's running and getting onto the train. And I'm like, I'm sitting in the middle of Siberia. I don't know squat. I don't have a passport, nothing. I must catch this train. Nobody's going to wait for me. And that man pulled me into the train like an Indiana Jones move. <laughs>
to test your revenge and your mischief. And, and that's not everybody who lives here and works here and are here and didn't do that. But I think there's value in, in the fact that we're telling the stories of where we come from so that we know where we are, so that we have a better a better understanding of where we want to go. And it's and it's fine whichever place you come from, um, as long as you understand where you've been and embrace the place that you are at now, whether you're at school, whether you're at three tops or OKs or wherever else you are, but also then uh, take hands and, and because some of the key things that I think some of the, the uh, sort of um, deeper things that we about the, the stories is that there's key things that is part of global and that will always be part of global. Things like adventure, things like trusting the Lord in, 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 in crazy certain circumstances, and just um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna chat more about. I don't want to say all of that, but we're going to chat more about that in the, in the weeks to come. Um, but that is, I think that's what we want to uh, just uh, impart. And, and in telling stories, whether it's school stories or, or, or global stories or after community stories, church stories, it's, it's to just um, tell you about, about where we come from and, and some of the sort of key foundational things that, that we tell you. So that's the that's the aim. And it's not to make you go on its way. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. So um, I uh, didn't do a journey. I um, was part of another organisation before I came to JBay called All Nations. Um, so they also have a program, and it's mainly for long term. So you go for six months, and they. Um, it's called CPX, so it's Church Planning Experience. And the aim is that as you leave, you are more ready to commit your life long term in one location, which is really what I thought I wanted to do. Um, I worked at a school in Mitchell's Plain before as an occupational therapist, and I absolutely loved it. I, um, I thought, like, those are my people. I'm going to live and die in Mitchell's Plain, and I will be happy here. I um, had such a passion for the community there, and that's the reason I did the church planning course. And I was like, this is my life plan, I've got it sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, two weeks into my CPX course, I got a phone call from the National Department of Education to say, we don't know how the paperwork has gotten this far, but the unpaid leave that I have been granted has been refused by them, and I need to be back to work on my day. So um, obviously I've given up my flat and paid this large sum to do this course, so I ended up having to resign from my job. And I was furious with the Lord, like I was so angry. So I did like this super spiritual church crying course and for the first month I didn't speak to Jesus, I was so angry. Um, and at the end of it, we went to Madagascar. It was such an incredible experience. Um, we stayed in this tiny little village for three, um, three four months. I think it took me three days to hike through the forest to get there, and then there was no electricity, no running water, we just lived and shacked with the locals, it was amazing, Um, and I had no reception, I had no way of planning my life. So while I was there, I was um, praying about whether I should pursue trying to find another avenue which was playing when I get back home. And I kind of had this word from the Lord saying that he's actually busy prepping where I'm going to go to already. Like while I'm in Madagascar, he's working in South Africa. And so 
when I came back into South Africa and into reception, there was an email in my inbox and one of my surfer friends from Jeffrey's Bay had shortly given my CV in to an MPO in Jeffrey's Bay, to me on, and they made me a job offer. So um, I ended up coming to J-Bay, um, I felt like it was the Lord, and I uh, moved into a house, well I, I came in September, so it's very hard to find a flat in J-Bay, I don't know if you guys have seen, like the whole town was built in the 1970s, so it's just like brick houses. So no flats, didn't know where I was going to stay, and my boss at Timion offers a, a room in her house. And I was like, it's really weird, like I don't know if I want to live with my boss, you know. But it was September and I had nowhere else to go, and I was like, okay, well, you know, you can survive everything for three months. And so, like, I said, okay, fine. So I moved into a house with Hannah and Maxine and Elsa B. Um, there was somebody else. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I moved into the house with them, and they were a part of... <laughs> I didn't really see them much. But, <laughs> but I really just wanted to rent a room. Like, I came to do a job, and I wanted to surf, and I just wanted to rent a room. But now I'm in this house with these three girls that are <laughs> super passionate about global and like they're like pathologically inclusive. Like everything they do, they're like, please come to the bride. Like, please come hang out, please come to our house church, please come on Sunday. Like, just leave me alone. I just want to rent a room in this house. Um, and like I end up going to celebration and it's wonderful and have me stand on a chair. So can the real Anne please stand up? <laughs> and then the community and like everyone's just so interested in who you are and I'm like ah um, and I uh, I think that was actually just so um, in denial about what the Lord had taken in terms of what I wanted to do in Mitchell's plane that I couldn't see what the Lord was actually doing and what he was leading me into and so that whole year or those three four months I mean, my housemates still tease me, ask me, I think has really forgiven me for how passive-aggressive I was to everybody. <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> I need rain out, apparently. I can't remember. But at the end of it, at the end of that year, I think I'd really um, been so loved by my housemates and so included. I had um, my school contact me in December and they offered me my job back in Mitchell's plane. And um, I just remember the Lord saying, you know, like, you can, you can go back, or you can be where I want you to be. Like, you can make a decision, but you stop sulking now, like, you make a decision. You either cross the line and you part, or you go back, but stop the sulking. And it was, um, I remember sending Anne a message to say, Listen, I just I want this to be my community, like I want to be in and Anne's like, you don't really do a membership course, you know? <laughs> but I just needed to make I needed to make that commitment and cross that line. And um, I still my housemates and I still have the most special, special bond. Um, Maxine now lives a hundred meters from my front door and has a little boy that's um, twelve hours younger than him, um, and we yeah, we share life together, it's very, very special. Um, her husband's the guy that gave my CV in, <laughs> so one of my good friends. Also, he's in Canada, and we still speak once a week. Hannah is still my boss to me on, and I work with. And um, I think I've learned such a loyalty and such a belonging. Of, of all those girls that I moved in with, I wouldn't have naturally been friends with one of them, maybe Hannah. 
but I definitely not the other two. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made friends with him. But when God added me, like I think I've got friends for life now. And it didn't look at all like I thought it would. It's not Mitchell's plan, and it's definitely not long term. But the loyalty and the commitment to this community and what it's built into me has been the biggest adventure. And I've traveled, like I've gone to Bali and I've gone to India and me and Rang have had the privilege of going to many different countries together during dating and courtship and friendship and all these things. And those are great adventures and I can tell many stories of those as well. But I think the, the biggest story and the biggest adventure for me actually has been this community and um, learning what it is to actually cross that line to commit yourself to a family and how special that's been. So um, yeah, I think if you are if you are entering in, um, I hope it doesn't take you six months of passive aggressiveness before you actually make the commitment <laughs> um, to be where God's placed you because um, it's a phenomenal family. Um, and I was just listening to Anne read the prophetic word yesterday, and I was so challenged again by like, can I can I say yes to this word for myself? I mean, it's such a beautiful theoretical word, but in my head I can say, well, it was a word given to Anne um, in Budapest. But, um, but actually, no, if I remember 2015 and the fact that he called me to cross that line, then I remember that that word is for me as well now. Um, and can I make it part of my life and can I claim it for my life? So, um, yeah, maybe just a bit of my journey into that. Uh, Miguel, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think. If you notice by now, like adventure is a is a is part of the identity of this community. So there are a few things that I see it like a it's like boiky, you know, as this one has a certain flavor. So those things are part of the flavor. Like uh, we have ten cities to go to. Uh, we're excited about it. Um, you know, animals to go to Maldives. Uh, you can try and stop her, but then <laughs> I don't think you know her. That's part of it. That's part of this point. And um, I think, yeah, at least I had a, I had a uh, desire for that, and that's all those elements, and that's how I got there. Uh, but I quickly want to share like our wedding. So we got married a year and a bit ago. And I wanted to, you know, I'm a big fan of this community. If you're new to the community, uh, if you want to know, you will from this. Like, I enjoy sharing with people here. And so I wanted, for our wedding, I wanted to have it close to space so that I can show the people who never come here, because we're very far from everything. Uh, yeah, what's here? What, what is here? Because it's, it's surfing, and it's beach, and coffee, and you know, I'll down and those things. But it's really the community. And a wonderful way to do that is to organize a wedding in a ruin uh, where, like, two weeks before we didn't have a roof on the venue. It used to be an old, like, garage where they fixed the cars. The logo and the wedding Yeah, the can organize weddings. So, um, it's just wonderful. It's it's the space that Timion, the um, the nonprofit that uh, Annie worked for and still does some work for, is their new premises, and they offered it to us. Uh, it's new. It is old new. It's there. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a very old building, but they're going to move in there in time. Wonderful. And um, yeah, it's just 
it was just wonderful. I don't tell all the stories, but just making it happen in like three days is something that I could show people. You know, it's not like the ingredients of this book is not fancy, right? Uh, it's it's uh, it's good. You know, there's a lot of uh, that's that's almost the the treasure here is that that thing, and that also means you help with other people's weddings and other people's moves and other people's everything. It's uncomfortable and it's pointy, so it's on a flame. So it's, I mean, it's life, you know, it's tough and you have to forgive the other ingredients and <laughs> all those things. But it's, it's, uh, it's something really special, really, which our wedding ended up being. Um, I could tell a lot of stories about it. I think your families were totally different. Yeah, I'm still apologizing to some of my in laws. They <laughs> 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 thought they were coming early for a holiday. That was the idea. But yeah, so I think I, if I can sum it up like that, I just say, like, we, we need you. We need new flavors in this wiki. Yes. And we need it to be a strong flavor. Mm. Right? We need you to to move with everything that you are, that yeah. the Lord's made you, that you know, no one's alike, no one, you know, it's the same flavor. So you, you need to be you. And the things that are going to make you uh, dilute your flavor are if you're going to eat from the tree of good and evil, I want to say in a very general sense. If you're going to say, oh, this one didn't do that, that one didn't invite me, you know, I wasn't part of this, this one said that, you know, because it's, you know, it's people, you know, people are people. Uh, so if you're going to be a strong flavor, eat from the tree of life, right, just focus on Jesus, uh, the king of your heart, and, you know, become part, that's almost the, you know, mingle with the other ingredients, and serve and help, and that's how you become part of everything, you know, that's, uh, I learned how to progress that, I mean, my wife, Hmm? Yeah, that's that's the richness. I think by compare what's happening here to the environment I came from, it's uh, it's it's like it's more diverse. It's less specialized. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Anyway, be a strong flavor. Be, be and give that to the rest of the point. Right? That's that's what you're here for. You too. Yeah. Are you saying if you were to stay with your wife? Now anybody wants to give that It's perhaps just a, a different flavor on, on, in the same recipe. But um, if you'll permit the English teacher to read you a story, um, I wrote this about a year and a half ago thinking back on a trip that I made to Russia in 2018. Um, okay, I'll read first and then I'll try to explain. Few things make me more connected, a few things make me feel more connected to the world than traveling. It makes me feel alive and purposeful and free. Drinking in the flavors and aromas of a night market in, in Thailand or reveling in the colors and the raw splendor of a steep Guatemalan alley in Panachal, feeling the pulse of the vibrant otherworldly nightlife of Kuala Lumpur, allowing the salty balm of the Red Sea to rinse the senses in the colors of creation. Yet, nothing can make me feel more disconnected from the world than traveling either. 
And to my shame, this had probably been the case more often than not. I remember spending 23 hours at Hamad International Airport in Dawa. With way more time than money, I had very few meal options. I was browsing through the bottom range at a sandwich bar when I noticed an employee taking the wares from a shelf and placing them in a box. I mustered the courage of an anonymous meeting to ask what he was doing. In a thick French or Belgian accent, he replied that since these reached their sell-by date, they had to be binned. I immediately asked, I think this is Anthony's influence. <laughs> I immediately asked um, if I could have some. He hesitated briefly before slipping me two whole grain bacon and cheese sandwiches. Score. <laughs> he asked me not to tell anyone as he was not allowed to do this. I hope the fact that this happened, you know, almost three years ago now, releases me from that book once I settled down as comfortably as the metal and faux leather seated, uh, seats permitted, halfway into my free lunch, I reflected upon what I just transacted between us. It was brief, but it was certainly beyond the norm. It was refreshingly, surprisingly human. This time, the courage that I mustered to pack up yet again was deeper, but more intentional. It was more costly. I hurried back to the Eat Street to look for Martin, or Martin, if he really was French. Um, I looked around at first and finally approached the young woman at the pay point to ask for him. Uh, Martin's shift ended just now. He will be back tomorrow. Despondent, I eventually sank back into the seat I vacated minutes before. I was too late to thank him, to be human back at him. His kindness was wolfed down by my selfishness. I don't think I tasted the rest of that sandwich. Some missionary I was. On my way to Russia to serve the church there, yet I couldn't even show a blunt of decency to thank him for kindness that I didn't deserve. No man is an island, someone said. And although I get the sentiment, I don't think I agree fully. We are islands, indeed, every one of us. I am one, and so are you. Leaving my island to connect to another is always costly and it's dangerous and it's scary. This is why we so often shy away from doing it. Here I was 11,000 odd kilometers away from home, but I had truly gone nowhere. I was stuck inside my small and scared little world. It is easy to go all around the world, yet not reach anywhere real. It's possible to spend days exploring some tropical island, although in my heart I'm still stuck on the plane with my earphones blocking out the real world. The world where others, like myself, are desperate in need for someone brave enough to prove that we are not alone. I'm reminded that the Apostle Paul exhorted his Roman brothers and sisters to connect, to really connect with one another, in integrity, beyond a self-inflating token of recognizable sympathy. He teaches them to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep, get into their emotions. This is as real as it gets, and I have no claim to it while stuck on my own little island. I have to brave the high seas between us to attain it, to obey it and enjoy it. So back to the travels. Roughly a week later, getting off the train at the dreary paint field suburban station of Malachovka, on the outskirts of Moscow, I joined the shuffling queue of commuters laboring up the stairs um, to the walkway that crosses 
um, over the railway. I had just seen off my fellow South African at the airport, that's Wayne um, Holland, when he came back, he was with me, um, and spent the afternoon with a good Russian friend for the first time in ages. It was a day of emotional ups and downs, of goodbyes and hellos, of tears and smiles, and with all that, my cozy shell of isolation and self-preservation beckoned as I droned up the stairs among nameless faces, all going about their private lives alone. I became aware of a bottleneck up ahead as all commuters were automatically herded to the right due to some obstacle which I couldn't see at that point. Moments later, as motorists slowing down to squeeze through the single lane that passes the scene of an accident, I passed a woman seated on the stairs, shamelessly crying, gripping her mobile phone in her hand. Impossible to remain alongside her, I allowed the surge of bodies around me to carry me to the walkway over the rails above. There, I braced against the railing and waited for the stream of people to die to a trickle. From above, I watched her at first, wondering what was the matter. From behind, I could see her dark, natural hair growth resisting the unnatural blonde perm perching over it. The tacky turquoise dress and the house slippers was enough for her to become a typical aging Russian babushka in my mind. A picture I had seen a thousand times before. But in that moment, and this was probably the Holy Spirit, um, I remembered Martin. I remembered my shame at not um, I remembered my shame at not using an opportunity when it presented. I became aware of my island and her island and the impossible distance between us. So I set sail down the red stairs and sat down next to her. At first she seemed altogether unaware of my presence as I honestly and practically, because she's Russian, did not really know what to say to her. We sat that back for five minutes or twenty minutes or half an hour, I don't know. Here I was in an altogether new foreign land. Although I was in Russia, I was also in this woman's world. I eventually offered a probing Stoeta, what is it? All cried out and coughing, she just shook her phone and rambled on saying something about her house, her house, her house. I couldn't understand it. Did she have bad tidings, financial problems, family crisis? We just sat there some more. She never looked at me. She just uh, kept her fixed gaze out to where the metal tracks merged into a narrow unit. I introduced myself finally, not knowing what else to say, yet this too was silently unacknowledged. She just let out a deep sigh. Another train pulled into the station and doubtless another wave of commuters would soon wash over us on the stairs. She stirred, got up, dusted the seat of her dress and bent down to pick up the two large bags at her feet. When I offered to help her carry, she refused explaining that the home was Nedelequo, not far. Knowing that the railway bridge suicides are not uncommon in Mother Russia, I walked alongside her until she was on the, on the lawn across the bridge. I greeted her and added, Spogum, go with God. She paused, nodded vaguely, and went her way. Something happened on that communist-era railway bridge, something deep within my soul. My steps back across the side of the bridge where I needed to be were purposeful, alive, and free. 
As I recounted the story around my host's dinner table minutes later, we spent time in earnest prayer for turquoise dress lady. That's what we called it. Honestly, that's the best we could do. Um, and for her situation, whatever that may have been. And we don't know how that turned out, but inside my very being, there was a new invisible stamp in the passport of my heart, and it glowed warmly. I am still an island. All of us are. But we are called to be travelers, brave and compassionate travelers. Although I have been all over the world, my journey across that paint field bridge in Malachavka stands out as one of my favorites. On that day, I got to leave my own scared and cozy little world and venture into the rewarding unknown. So make that journey and collect those stamps. They're much more worthwhile. It's wonderful to hear stories of community, but it will always be something far off if you're not willing to um, offer yourself into it. We have to, um, we have to let ourselves go into it, and it's always risky and it's always scary. Um, and there's a trap that the devil sets for us um, in making us believe that we need to reach some level or we need to attain some spirituality or whatever before we are allowed in. And everyone else seems so much more perfect and so much more worthy and so much more eligible for it. Um, but all we're doing is we're just delaying um, engaging really. So my call, this is Anya and that is Vila. Um, the most difficult journey is to um, let someone into your life or to allow yourself to enter someone else's um, because it's always messy and it's scary, but uh, the rewards always outweigh the, the cost. Yeah. I didn't mean for that to be heavy or anything. <laughs> it's just, um, it's very real to me. Um, yeah. If I can maybe add something uh, to this pop that global is, and um, I'm going to take it back quite far. It's, uh, uh, I studied in Port of Struem, and I remember clearly one night uh, we were a bunch of guys there that were like friends, and Rudy was he's one of them. Uh, but he came back just from the trip, and he just he was flowing over with stories about how we travelled on this 80 days trip and one place to Al Bali they went there and the Lord was just moving the Lord was just saying and um, I remember that night I said yes I I need to do this thing I need to go and a uh, few few months later eventually I went and I took a team with um, and I remember Late nights, I was writing the program on how to save Bali. If there was a way for those people to be saved, I had it. So I thought. <laughs> I had a day-by-day -day schedule. My team, I had them put in little teams. Everybody had their place. It was the perfect plan. We were, Bali didn't know what was waiting for it. So I thought. So we went there and um, everything was going good. Day one, day two. Day three, things started being a bit more difficult. My program didn't actually work that well as I thought. Day four, 
this one is now in love with this one, everybody <laughs> wants to eat chili, and everybody is just, day five was just famous. Like, I remember, it was just, everything went wrong that day in Bali. My, people who were not getting saved, um, like, everybody is angry at everybody, I don't know, <laughs> uh, I don't know what was going on. And, uh, I remember, I was, you know, I was just a bit, like, oh, being of that trip. Um, yeah, five, see, the sixth day I went to, to, went to sit on the beach um, in this, it's the ritual, everybody goes to sit on the beach at the end of every day, all the shops close and the whole body almost gathers on the beach to watch the sunset. And I just remember praying to the Lord saying, Lord, I don't know what, what was wrong in my program. What did I, was there not enough prayer or was there not enough this or this or this? Um, and I remember the Lord clearly telling me, it's not about your works or what you bring to this table. Or okay, it's about my spirit and you following my spirit. And I remember so clearly you saying that, that it was seconds afterwards that, um, this lady came, um, and if you've been to Bali, you know these masseuses come to you every time, and it's a bit of a um, story. But I just, <laughs> and I just remember I told this lady, no, 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 go away, go away. But she didn't want to leave. She just, later on, she just sat there, and her name was Newman number 43. And, uh, yeah, Bali, everybody just says like one of four names. So you're either one of these, and she was number 43 of the new ones. And um, I remember she just sat there and, and like didn't say anything. And later, I, uh, one of my teammates came and we asked, started asking questions like, who are you? And it's like, no, so and so. And she asked, asked us, what are we doing here? What is your school here? We told her, like in a very unspiritual way, and to say, you know, we love the Lord, we're here to serve Him. And um, she said, oh, okay, that's cool. What does your God do? And we said, you know, told a few stories. One was a story about Jesus healing somebody, uh, one of the New Testament stories. And um, her face just lit up when we shared that story with her. And she said, well, actually, I have never looked at of yours, and I have a shoulder ache now for the last two three years and um, still not feeling very spiritual or anything's going to happen we just said okay let's just pray for you and then we can go we can go whatever <laughs> and uh, yeah terrible but um, we prayed for her um, and the Lord touched her that day on the beach and the Lord really we believe uh, healed her that day um, of her pain um, so we were grateful she was very excited and eventually we parted ways, she left and we continued to watch the sunset. And about 10 minutes later, we got a step on our shoulder and Nyongwan was standing there um, behind us and she had gathered everybody that was sick on the beach. And there was a line all of a sudden to be honest. And it was still me and my one teammate and uh, she said, no, we have to pray because these people have never heard about Jesus as I have not, but you can see your God is real and she wants them to encounter this God. And we prayed for the people and <coughs> it was the most beautiful 
beautiful view and the Bali view is it's one of the best in the world but the best in the world but that day the view of people on the beach just thanking Jesus for really touching each one of them uh, we walked back and it's we on the beach and we just heard all of the, the foolish people saying thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus and the story is not about healing I'm not um, saying something about healing but it's something that is key in global it's that it's about the obedience that the Lord calls us into it's not about the plan or it's not about the, the brilliance of, of any structure or a program that we will, will be laid out it's about being surrendered to what the Lord is doing and following through with that and yeah, Anne-Marie is an incredibly good example to all of us to you know, be obedient to the Lord whenever we don't understand or see where we're going. Um, but that's, I feel, a key ingredient of us as a community and how things have been established here. Um, I, I'm sure you've heard stories about how the school started, but it was also the Lord calling us in faith. Um, so, yeah, my, my final words and um, to you all and those of you who are new is I want to encourage you to step out in this because it won't it won't always make sense. You will be asked to chink a log house here in the windiest day of Jeffrey's Bay and to see what you're doing with your life. But it's for the Lord. It's about <laughs> and it's about it's about obeying him. It's not about serving people, but it's his kingdom that he's building and we are just following in with his spirit and what he's he's busy building here. Um, so yeah, that's just my story that I want to share. I'm going to be very quick. Um, I, I just want to share a little bit of how the Lord invited me in what I do. Um, I study teaching, but um, the Lord gave me this taste for dancing and expressing through prayer. But it was really in India while we were dancing on a stage for all the children there that the Lord really just invited me into a space of ministry through dance and prayer, having a team with, with me. Um, and I remember just getting off the stage and again and walking to me and just saying to me, will we do this for the rest of your life? And literally laughing in her face and walking away and thinking, oh, this is just something that uh, girls are going to do. It's just, we just dance and it's just amazing. It's a sideline thing. You know? And so it was an invitation. The Lord was just giving me an invitation. But then we hit Brazil and we have like 14 schools that we minister to. And it's one performance after the other and one ministry after the other. And it's as if the Lord is just captivating our heart. It's just captivating. It's like, this is where I want you to be. Do you want this? Long story short, me and a friend just started dancing here at a local studio for fun. Like just to get some exercise and that. Uh, two years in this fun endeavor, the, um, the teacher and the principal come to me and she says, I don't know, but I have to give the studio up. Would you, would you be interested? 
people just started, you know, just a whole different thing. And giving me the studio, I had the privilege of starting to touch children's lives and, and my friends' children just coming to dance with me. I get to love them, teach them. Um, but it was a time of deep purification because it was here, loving each other, you know, in, in the trenches. And I could really sense the Lord just purifying my heart, the loving community, um, being loyal, belonging. Um, and it was a deep time of purification, like we all said, you know, the other ingredient, beginning the other one, whatever, what is this thing? But it was such a beautiful time of the Lord just coming to show that there's more. Five years into the studio, um, I again to have a conversation with Anne, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to close the studio because it's not life-giving anymore. I just don't feel like this is this is what it is. And then something magical happens. A platform is given for me to explore ministry, ministry in doing what I love. I feel like it's a fountain that's just automatically coming out of me and I can just explore this. And that's where the sparrow happened. This is just a, a, a space where somebody can come and dance and we can pray about where we want to go and it's just a magical space for the Lord just doing something. I, it's difficult to explain how, but it's, it's just a platform to think. I am a wife, I have children, but there's something still that wants to give. There's something still that wants to go. And there's this practical platform that the Lord gives to say, I see you and I want to use you still in your season. And that's what happened in in the time of all these moments, and it's as if the Lord just liberates himself, taking off these shackles, it's giving me this, this platform. And having two years of this beautiful expression, it felt like the Lord was positioning me and some of the key people that were journeying with me into that. And I, um, I'm just so grateful and overwhelmed that the Lord comes before each one of us and He gives us an invitation. And then He blows our mind because He captivates us with who He is. But then the time of purification and sanctification happens that is so beautiful and necessary. But that moment of liberation and standing up and positioning is the new life. And it is the beauty of Jesus being born and established in us. And it's through, it, it happens to dance. Like, it's the best. But that's the beautiful thing that happens here. There's moments of platforms that are given. And it's, it's these beautiful face rocks that we just have to jump from one to the other. And how precious is that? Because that is how the kingdom of God is being established. Right, friends, so I just want to close this off for us. And I want to say to you that there is, if you, uh, you've heard so many things, I forgive you for not remembering everything. But um, you would remember that uh, I shared with you that there is a 
fellowship within the Trinity right, from where everything gets birthed. God in his essence is a community. I want to say to you, you're not invited to it. The inner circle is not those who have done a journey. The inner circle is not is not the school. Right? That's not the inner circle. Right? The inner circle is in the very garden. That's the inner circle that we are invited to. And I want to read you, and if you don't believe me, it stands in the Bible. Because that's what Jesus prayed. Right? And and Maybe you think he's saying this to the disciples. They weren't even the inner circle, right? Um, he says this, it's in John 17, if you want to read it later, right? My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. You hear that? All of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, so he says there's this unity, this fellowship, this community. I pray that they also have a community. May they also be in us. Whoa, okay. Okay, it's not just, you know, they're going to be an inner circle as the Trinity. And then you're over there. Right? He's saying, I pray that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them, I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought into complete unity. This is the desire of the Lord for community in this time. I in them. And you in me. So that they can be brought into unity. This is what the Lord desires for us in community. Now, practically. And as we, we're not going to have communion. It's communion, right? The communion was never a, a, a ritual of having now we drink. And now we eat the small piece of bread. It was having communion together. So your meal tonight is a communion meal, right? It's sharing, we've shared Jesus. Now we celebrate it. And here's the most practical way of how Jesus did this. I in them and they in me. Jesus didn't say this just as a conceptual weird thing to believe. He practically demonstrated it. How did he demonstrate it? If you think about Jesus, right? Did he have a body, a human body, before he came to earth? Did he? No. He didn't have a human body. But then he stepped into our space and he took unto himself our body. You see it? I in them. Now he's doing it physically, showing it, right? And then, I mean, his body was broken. That's what we share, you know, in, in communion, his body being broken. And it's almost as if even in that picture of his body being broken, a little bit of space is open for us to enter into the communion of God. You see it? Breaking a space open. It's almost as if that huddle, that inner circle, which is impossible to get into, Jesus comes and he makes a little space for us to enter into what who God is in his very nature. It's tremendous. He doesn't give this to angels or anything. He gives it to those who believe. Right? And now see this. When Jesus died and rose, what did he have? Did he receive, did he just become what he, the essence of what he was before? What was he raised with? What was he raised with? Hey? What was he raised with? He was raised with a body, wasn't he? He got a, a verheerlikte lichaam. What is that? A glorified body. And the Bible says that he is the first of many, that all of us who will believe, will receive a body like that. Right? So, and then what did he do with that body? He took it all the way into heaven. 
right, all the way into heaven, is the placeholder of our flesh in the middle of the presence of God. Do you see that? The placeholder of your and my flesh. It's like He came, He received some of us. I in them, they in me. And He takes us. Now it's a placeholder because all of us will go there. Right? Standing in the presence of God. But He didn't just do that. He also at the same time put some of Himself. He left here. What is that? Holy Spirit. I will take your flesh unto me into eternity. I will put my spirit into you for now and into eternity. I in them, you in me, so that they can become... And that's the basis of our unity. Right? That's the basis of our unity. So you're invited, and we want to invite you now, way more than just the global community. We are inviting you, and that's your journey. It will pass, surpass your time if you're in global or not. Right? You are invited ultimately into the community of the Trinity. But I in them, not I in him or her, I in them. That unity is with a body. It's not without the body. Okay. So, uh, Anna Marie says it always beautifully. She says, you know, uh, if we are the bride, right, uh, we have a, we're an expression. It's like a wedding. We're an expression. And a bride has a certain flavor to her wedding. You're invited to this representation of the bride.